0: You're listening to Hatrick and Ramsey Unleashed, the People's Podcast. We are here to rock the podcast world.
1: Right, people, we're back, or I should say, the Ramsey's back in the hot seat. Um, here to talk about a little bit of news. We have an interview uh, coming up in the show. We are with a pastor from Edinburgh called Andy Scarcliffe. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, how he finds, um, with being a pastor and a Christian uh, in this day and age. Um, and how easy or hard it is from 30 years ago to it is now, trying to be, go out and tell people about the gospel, basically. So so coming up in that show, later on you will uh, be able to hear that interview with Andy um, and his, uh, what we talked about, it was a nice, nice wee chat, uh, had to kind of fire through a few questions, and so would love to have asked them a lot more stuff, and maybe a little bit more controversial stuff but i think as time was ticking on he had to um, another meeting to go to so but in, in, then again maybe we'll get to interview him again in, in the future uh but i'm going to get somebody else and we can ask the controversial questions to them instead so uh <laughs> some be good fun so <clears throat> thanks for the listening and thank you for all your support around the world uh, thank you for the people in America people in Europe Australia New Zealand China India uh, all these people listening to us in Europe um, and we thank you that you enjoy the, the, the total garbage we come out with It's brilliant <laughs> I hope you have fun talking anyway let's talk about a little bit new. we're talking about a little bit news things have been going on in the world things have just happened in the last few days and if you' if you're a, obviously if you're a one direction fan you'll be you'll be gutted taking time off work whatever annual leave you've got holidays or compassionate leave you'll be taking to, to cry and mourn over zayn malik not being in one direction anymore yes it happens people leave bands yes it's a shock i'm just i'm just more sad for all these tribute bands Tribute bands. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to my, one of my favourite podcast shows as I listen to is uh, Mr. James Will, and he, they happen to mention that all these tribute bands, uh, if the, uh, the person who played, well, obviously represented Zayn Malik in their tribute band, are simply going to have, well, what, what's, he, what's they going to do? they have to fire the guy, since so it's only you're fired, or well, they could be a rodeo or something. Or, so he's uh, a. <laughs> He's now basically jobless, so he's obsolete. So, let's I don't know, he can do a multitask. And, so, if one of them were off sick, he can step in and play another part. Uh, but uh, tribute bands, well, if you're a five piece and you're tribu- tributing one direction, you're kind of stuffed. Uh, one of these has got to go. <laughs> so, as our Lord Sugar will say, you're fired. <laughs> so, also, if you're a Top Gear fan, if you live within the UK or around the world, you'll know what Top Gear is. It's been going for a long time, and, but we've had the recent Jeremy Clarkson Saga, and he got fired from his job, basically. He was ditched after an altercation with a producer. Uh, we simply don't really know the full facts of this and the reasons why. Well, there's been a lot of stuff coming out in Facebook and things, which has been very true and, it's, and to the point that the BBC have been covering up, there's been lots of uh, paedophilia and presenters and past with kids and all that, been, and it seems to have been put, swept under the rug, which is a lot more serious than just because Jeremy Clarkson happened to have an altercation with a producer. I'll tell you something. Uh, there's, they've got their priorities wrong, so, and, and the BBC. This is it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, what What is going on? Um, so all the, all these presenters in the past who were, get, who were at it, um, with underage kids and all, all this going sexual allegations, and they got away with it. Uh, and the BBC were sweeping under the carpet. I'll tell you something. The BBC you don't deserve your licence fee. To be honest with you, and you don't deserve um, uh, to to be. You yeah. Totally shooting yourself in the foot. Yes, Top Gear may have survived before Jeremy Clarkson came along and Richard Hammond and Dayton May. I've got his first name blank spot there. Um, but the main thing is that you had a unique three who were you just made it work, and you just shot. I think you just shot yourself in the foot completely. And the main thing is this was such a giving such a trivial thing. Uh, but you've you've basically just because of this you got sorted it out and carried on with the show and carried on making millions of pounds and because everyone who bought it actually bought the show to view in their country, well, you can see you're bonkers mate. You've always had been bonkers. You you show total crap on the television and you expect people to pay a TV license fee. I'll tell you something. You got your you got your priorities all wrong. There's no wonder people are watching Sky or. Get virgin television because BBC are just crap bottom line so but anyway also moving on to her next uh, news item at the moment it's now the official countdown to the UK British election 2015 Um the they've had the finished parliament uh, the last Prime Minister's question times have been done this week uh, also they've had a, a Miliband and David Cameron, I've had a question time on television via Sky News and Channel 4. Um, so basically, the campaign is now on the road um, and the heat is on. We're looking at 40 days, 7 hours and 18 minutes. So it's uh, certainly going to be heating up <coughs> over the next few days, to say the least. Um, so I personally. Uh, if I was to be honest, I think it's I think politics it's it's not just your Labour and uh, uh, and uh, Conservative anymore. You're looking at <clears throat> you've got ever since we had the referendum for Scotland and there was a no vote, uh, which is happy days. I'm glad for that. Um, and it's going to SNP who are pretty much conquering uh, Scotland, or other people are sucked in by their their wonderful views of uh, basically um, <clears throat> are actually going to be. It could play i I'm going to play a major part in the election as well. So you, you're going to have either it's going to be a coalition again, or one party will win on a landslide. And personally, I just hope it's. I'd rather have Tory in again with a coalition, but it could be UKIP or it could be SNB or it could be Lib Dems again. But then again, we'd we'll have to wait and see if it's Lib Dems again. Great, not, not major. Nothing majorly is going to change. I think it's been okay. Run yes. Uh, I think things have got a little bit better in some ways yes we're having to make cuts but sometimes cuts have to be the way forward to actually try and get move things forward but it's a, a tricky situation in many ways um so the countdown is on who are you willing to vote for are you a UKIP Nigel Farage or are you going to basically be <laughs> getting in bed into bed with Nicola Sturgeon uh, are you a David Cameron or a Ed Miliband fan uh, so are you a, a Nick Clegg like the Lib Dems so uh, who, who, who are you going to vote for that's the, the big question uh, for the general election been, I believe it's been five years I remember sitting with my friend uh, well my my broadcast partner Hugh Hattrick and my friend Jonathan Sutherland he would be on the podcast We sat in his house flat um, and we watched, sat up and watched the results coming in Oh, it was good fun watching it. So it sort of seemed to be the time for me when I sort of got into a bit of politics 'cause politics because before I thought politics, oh, wow, just dreadful, just completely did not enjoy them. For some reason, just after the the, the build up and the to the election uh, five years ago, I just got into it and found it quite interesting. I admit I'm a very still a novice. I do like the sort of debate, the debates, and I find prime ministers' question times are very very funny. So sort of that's the way they wind each other up, uh, when you're watching it. So, but anyway, that's the kind of <laughs> kind of thing that's going on with the at right? uh, in the moment. So um, I'm going to give you. strange news? Uh, strange, strange news. Let's um, see, a bit of entertainment news. I was going to say, I've had your, your your Top Gear in your one D. You've got a sound of music. Fifty years since the sound of music was done. Wow. 50 years, oh, that's a long time, long, long time, 50 years, but, um, so they've got the anniversary going on, um, there's Ben Affleck, for some reason, is going to follow Bill Gates to Capitol Hill, interesting, okay, um, what else is going on in the the world of entertainment, uh, Oh, John Collins she's been giving a, she's been given a damehood and Collins she was in dynasty dynasty and uh, that kind of thing um way back so she's been on, uh, become a dame Dame John Collins so um, taken a while for her to get one so um it's all good let's give you some strange news strange news um an underground radiation leak caused by cat litter because it was the wrong stuff. In a US site, so if uh, so for some reason they use cat litter in, a, in some nuclear thing, so they use the wrong make. It's interesting. As you know, in the you probably know in in America they have a special lane as for it's called a car carpool lane. So it's obviously for people with more than one driver, with um, one sorry, passenger. You can have more than one driver. You probably could, but uh, it could be interesting. Um, more than more than one person in your car um and what some of the people have been doing is um to get away with the obviously to beat the traffic jam some of them have actually put in a cardboard cutout of another person now what this happens to be the oh, um an actor um uh, who is it uh uh, some guy does a beer advert, but anyway, they basically put a cardboard cutout in his passenger seat, with the seatbelt round, and dro- drove in the carpool lane to try and beat the traffic, and obviously got stopped by a state trooper. Still got fined, but obviously found the very the funny side of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people will try anything these days to beat traffic, and uh, maybe it's not a bad idea. So. Maybe we should just... One way of beating traffic in, in Edinburgh, especially, or in the bus lanes, maybe we should just plaster a bus sign over your car or something and drive down it. You'll get away with it. So you just never know. Uh, it could be interesting. So that's a bit of strange news. Uh, what's been going on in America? Uh, a woman loses Silicon Valley gender bias claim. Oh well. Interesting. And then again, maybe not. Wow. Uh, you've got astronauts are blasting off for a year in space with a space station uh, a year in space could be interesting the photographs they'll come back with and holiday snaps in space <laughs> oh joy oh, the joys yeah. Okay, right don't worry yes let's get back to it <clears throat> coming up on our show we have a nice interview with Andy Scarcliffe he has been a pastor in Edinburgh for over 30 years um, so it was good to chat and get a bit of insight to how how the church has changed over the last 30-40 uh, years and how it was easier then uh, so sort of more I came to witnessing and preaching that kind of thing to it is now and how the world has changed in many ways so it was a good interview good bit of chat and I hope the hearers I hope you enjoy it so uh but I'm going to have a quick word for some of our sponsors. Some of our sponsors. We have EdwardDusters.com. If you're looking to be, if you're looking for a cleaner, a cleaning company, are you ha- have you got a cleaning company already? Are you happy with your cleaning company? Um, are you? Do you have your offices get cleaned? Are the things getting missed? Or maybe you're looking for somebody to clean uh, an end of tenancy? Maybe you're moving out and you need something done. Uh, give it. Look at EdwardDusters.com and give them a shout and we'll give you a free quote. Also, if you're looking to buy a car, maybe you're looking to <clears throat> upgrade the vehicle you have, or you're looking to um, maybe just trade in the one you've got because you just want to have a want to have a new car, the latest model, and because you want to impress the ladies. Have a new vehicle, turn up and pick up your date in a nice car, and they can make it some hibbity dibbity. Anyway, as I'm saying is. Uh, need a new car Got a carddio advisor. card advisor we can offer you a personal service of uh, helping you advise on the right car for you and your budget so carddio advisor.com which will be coming very soon the website is getting designed Just to let you know so if you're interested but we can put you in contact with the person who group can help you out in com. so um but yes so let's make tracks before to the interview, and thank you for listening to our shows, it's been a pleasure, it a pleasure listening, talking to you out there in the airwaves of the podcast, anyway, I'm losing the plot, so I will take keep taking my tablets before I go to my bed, uh, which I'm doing It is an evening of a Friday, and um, I'm going to sit back get a cup of tea, wherever you are in the world, have a sit back and maybe have a... A long vodka, or a Bacardi and Coke, or maybe a Jack Daniels and a, on, on the rocks. I sit back and listen to the interview with Andy Scarcliff. Anyway, here are good night. Good night. Why we saying good night? Why we saying good night, baby? Anyway, I hope you have fun uh, listening to this, and we will be uh, speak to you after the interview. And uh, let's go for it. That is a tall waffle. Wow, anyway, <laughs> hey-ho, it's fun. Okay, here's the interview. Hello, welcome to another episode of Hatrick and Ramsey Unleashed, the the people's podcast. We're here to interview a local pastor of a church in Edinburgh uh, called Portobello Baptist Church, here to do a different genre of uh, topic this time. Instead of the last few times we've had uh, an actress model from Glasgow, we've had a uh, Ex gambler, uh, as well. We've had many, many uh, different people that we've interviewed and we find it extremely interesting. And we thought, well, let's take it to a different level um, and we'll go to talk about the recent well, somebody who's within the community as a pastor, how he finds being a pastor in this day and age with the church that's really had a lot of kind of scrutiny recently, especially with uh, a lot going on with um, whether it's right or wrong to with gay marriage and things like that, and also other things and blah blah. blah and How he finds it in this the modern day era, and how hard it is to what it was maybe thirty, forty years ago when maybe things were a lot easier and there was not so much controversy around. So, I'd like to win, uh, welcome to the show, Andy Scarcliffe. Welcome. All right. All right. Thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for thank you for thank you for um, uh, letting, well letting us interview and ask you a few questions. So tell tell us tell us about you you. Your sort of background, I know from what I've known you, you've been into music, you've, you're have you a bit of a kind of, I would say, aging rocker, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're but you're like yourself, you've still got that sort of rock, rock style, you've got the long hair, the mm-hmm. kind of, the, the goatee beard and that, you're still kind of, like to jam away. So tell us about your background, how how did you, so as you're growing up, where did you, where were you born, how did you get into music and what led you to kind of, to being sort of, in the, sort of as a Christian or a pastor? Yeah. Tell the...
0: Yeah, well, um, born in Dundee, um, grew up in a place called Helensburgh over on the west coast, uh, about 20 miles from Glasgow. Um, I, uh, I suppose you you mentioned about music, I played in a band from, I suppose, late primary school, which sounds incredible as I think about it, which is, uh, I don't know, over 50 years ago. Um, so I played in a band with some friends, we used to do local gigs. Uh, one of the guys, um, Kenny Hislop, ended up Uh, He um, went further, went professional Ended up uh, playing in a band called Slick In the early 70s And then Simple Minds Um, And I continued Around about the age of 15 I became a Christian um, Through uh, a conversation with a guy at school Um, And uh, as a result My music took a kind of um, faith um, direction So I started writing music about uh, my newfound faith and singing it kind of acoustically, mostly kind of contemporary folk at that stage. So that's what I did. Um, I worked uh, in a public health lab, bacteriology, um,
1: and, uh, you know, went from there. Okay. So what kind of, obviously, the the band that you joined at school, what kind of music were you playing then before you went to... It was in the 60s, so we did a lot of covers. We did um, Jimi Hendrix,
0: The Who, um, you know... uh, some beatles stuff, not much, but um and sixties soul stuff, so it was a mixture of of covers um at the time and and actually, when I ended up going back going into the ministry in the early well early uh early to mid eighties, I started out in the ministry, and um shortly after that I um formed a band in the church that I was in, and we did the same kind of stuff plus original Christian music, so we played churches and youth groups. But we also played um, pubs and clubs in Edinburgh. So we had a mixture of, uh, I don't know, Bob Marley, um, soul stuff, uh, plus uh, Christian rock music. So we would go into um, pubs and clubs as a way of making connection with people. So we wouldn't be necessarily preaching to them, but we would maybe sit and chat to them at the tables afterwards and... Um, it wasn't a kind of hard sell thing, but that that's the kind of thing we did. And for about ten years, I played played in the band. We had a residency in one of the kind of hardest pubs, I suppose, in in Edinburgh. Where you know you'd get uh, a fair amount of crime going on. Um, sometimes I remember one Saturday night I was um, singing. Ruby Tuesday and there was a fight that broke out in the corner where a guy started getting his head kicked in and I was thinking, my goodness me, I'm preaching in a few hours' time (laughs) in the church and here I am tonight. But it it seems to me that's exactly where Jesus would be if he was walking uh, this earth just now. So to me, it was a a sense of integrating my culture with my faith.
1: Okay. So leading up to, obviously, with doing all your music and playing, uh, how did you... um, what made you decide to go into the ministry? And what made you sort of, like, right, I'm going to be a pastor? Or yep. What made you go down that road? Sure. Um, I suppose since I became a Christian at the age of 15,
0: I had always wondered about going into what some people call full-time Christian work, but I suppose that every Christian is full-time, so it's a kind of miss, it's, a, it's a, a wrong title, but that's that's what I was thinking of. I thought about youth work, and I just eventually felt that God was calling me into being a, a pastor. So I went down to London, trained for um, four years and started out in the ministry early 80s. So I just felt that God was telling me to do that and um, responded to his call. So when did you, what was your first uh, ministerial job? Yeah, it was in a place called West Pilton in Edinburgh, um, Granton Baptist Church. Um, So it was a church of about 100 or so members um, and uh, in, I suppose, a working-class area um, and that's
1: that's where I started out. I was there for about 13 years. So 13 years, what, what, when did you start there? What was your...? 82. 82. Um, wow. 1982, yeah. It so. doesn't seem that long ago, but it is a long
0: time <laughs> I ago. Know, it it's, it's scary. It's scary, yeah. I mean, when you get to my age, I, I make references to people in the 80s or music from the 80s, and I look out, and sometimes I get kind of glazed expressions on people fa- people's faces, and I realise, wait a minute, you weren't actually born
1: then, you know, so it's <laughs> it's crazy to think... The eighties is so far away, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. So, you, as you sort of developed into your ministry, you're there. Uh, how did you? I mean, as from the eighties. Yeah. How would you say? How was the kind of church life then to maybe what it is now? Mm-hmm. How would you just, How would you sort of compare yeah. the two? Yeah. How easy? How easy is it? We of maybe go back and forward a little bit. It, in this conversation, but how would you, from then to now? Yeah. How easy was it to how to be a pastor then? It is now. Yeah. I think that when I started in the ministry,
0: my spirituality was kind of, um, for want of a better word, more of a kind of. Some people call it a ghetto mentality. So sometimes churches are kind of withdrawn from the world, withdrawn from the community. Although we were playing in, you know, in a band, playing in clubs and so on it was almost two different parts to my life. Um, and so therefore, church was about, you know, getting people to become Christians and and getting people to read the Bible and pray and so on. At the same time, my wife was running a kind of mums and toddlers or a parents and toddlers group and was having something like 50 young mums coming in to do Keep Fit. And then they started, some of them started reading the Bible and, and, you know, get meeting together to do that. In many ways, she was far better at this whole thing about reaching out into the world and being um, a human being who happens to have faith rather than, you know, some kind of proselytising, hard-sell Christian. Um, So I think in those days when I started out, there was this kind of almost separation, whereas now I would see the church needs to be far more part of the community, um, living the life uh, first and earning the right to preach or to share, not necessarily preach, Whereas in those days, the, the, the starting point was almost, you know, um, preaching and, and you know, we, this is what we believe. Um, I think nowadays I, I've got far more of a, a, an awareness that people need to live the life and earn the right to, to share the gospel rather than to push it down people's throats. I'm not saying that we did push it down people's throats in those days, but broadly speaking, that's, those were the two different. That, that would be the difference between then and today.
1: Okay. Um, what, What would you? I mean, obviously today. How would you? I mean, back then it was probably the church was quite. it was, it was quite free. It was a little bit more. There was no contra- It was was sort of controversy than it was now is now because there's so much kind of things going on. It's like they're being a, like I say attacked or kind of people are wanting what mm-hmm. they can't have. What they, nobody bothered a really backside then. Mm-hmm. It was just all quite. Easy going, chilled mm. out. So, mm. how do you I mean What when that first, when the controversy started kicking in, or when things started to, people from the world or wanted a bit, obviously they couldn't mm. get something? How did you, when do you think it kicked off, or when did you find that? I think the church has always it should always been an alternative
0: value system you know that 's what Jesus had that 's why they crucified him. He turned the value system of the world upside down, so for him, the poor were important the powerless were important, whereas the religious people often had the power, and um, he kind of tried to change that, which is why he went into the temple and overturned the the uh, the tables of the money changers because they were making money out of the poor. Um, And so therefore Jesus has always been in the business of turning people's value system upside down. I think that nowadays uh, perhaps uh, the value system of the the world is more of a contrast with that of of the church. Um, But I think that the church still needs to take the Jesus view and that is to be inclusive, to be non-judgmental, to accept people where they are. Um, Obviously with the view to people changing... Um, but nevertheless, uh, to um, as Jesus did, um, he ate, uh, they, they, they accused him of being a, a, a drunkard uh, and, and uh, hanging out with prostitutes and hanging out with the reprobates. The church should still be doing that. And so when we do church in Portobello, um, I'm not saying that, you know, people in Portobello are reprobates or anything like that, but the idea that we... Um, live our lives alongside people who don't necessarily have faith um, we should be willing to do that um, and and for us to have a relationship um, within the community and with people that don't have faith in order that we might build bridges into those people's lives whatever their value system, whatever they believe so we, we've done that in a number of ways in Portobello, we've tried to do that as a way of building bridges into people's lives What
1: well, would you with the okay, with the type of church that you're into, as mm. in as a Baptist side, how would you compare now? You, the moment you've got, say, the Church of Scotland, you've got the Church of England, uh, the Catholic Church, and how the how they're doing things uh, to explain to people now. What's the difference? I mean, the difference between that they're all accepting women ministers, women bishops, they're all you know, mm. accepting that you can have a, somebody as a gay minister, for example, and blah bloody, blah, de, blah. Mm. they're all doing the things that are almost like not church, if you know what I mean, they're mm. almost like doing what's the work, they're just saying, well, let's just make it up as we go along. Mm. How do you find that to what you're... To the church, that you, as in like the Baptists, the Methodists, the kind of Pentecostal. How do you find sort of the, the difference? Mm. How would you explain that to the people mm. if they were listening to this? Mm. What would you find the difference? Mm. How would you explain the difference between them? Well, again, I think the church has always been a a spectrum, and so you will have a um
0: a, a range of different views, um from a more liberal view to a more um uh, specific, uh, from what of a better word a more right wing. Uh, view So there's always been a spectrum, there's always been a, a range. And within the Church of Scotland, um, actually some of the thinking that's going on in the Church of Scotland, um, yeah, it varies because you've got a broad church, but some of the the thinking uh, in terms of doing mission in a creative way, uh, what they call fresh expressions, and that is um, doing church within subcultures. Uh, within our within our overall culture, and speaking the language of people where they are, rather than expecting them to kind of um, understand the language of Zion, for want of a better word. So, for instance, you'll get people that are doing church within um, the Church of England. For instance, um, I can I, there's there's churches that have been established within club culture. There's been churches that have been planted within goth culture. There have been churches that have been planted within the skateboard and BMX culture. Um, There's a whole range of very creative um, expressions of church that have been being done. And actually the prime movers in that have been Church of England, Methodist and up in Scotland, the Church of Scotland has been doing it. So uh, far from me saying that we've got it right and they've got it wrong. Actually in many ways they've got it you know, a lot more right, and th- than sometimes um, Baptist churches have. So you can't say this is what a Baptist church is like, and this is what a Church of England's like, and this is what a Church of Scotland's like, because there is a range. You know, so um, I would say that I have great resonance with. You know, many people within the Church of Scotland, many people within the Episcopal or the Church of England. Um, and there would be people within those denominations or those faith systems that I, I might not agree with. And that's, it's always been that way. And you mentioned the Roman Catholic Church. And, uh, you know, I, some of the, the, the writers that I've been most influenced by in the past 10 or 20 years... Have been Roman Catholic writers, uh, and they 've got a lot to teach us on um, you know for for instance contemplative prayer, uh, some of the ancient spirituality that you get um, in within the Catholic Church, so I have been greatly you know helped by some of the books written by Roman Catholics, people like henry nowen um, uh, Anthony the Mellow. Um, and others that write about prayer so actually I, I am enriched and I, I think people generally feel that there's a lot more um, coming and going and there's a lot more in common with people from other denominations than there used to be maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago so rather than me be worried about that I am actually enriched by that but there will always be people that you don't necessarily agree with and you just kind of, you don't reject them um, you still dialogue um, but that—that's the way that it is. It's—it's it's the way human beings are, you know.
1: Okay. <clears throat> How would you I would describe the the modern day Christian? I—I had some conversations with some people who who say they call themselves would say, they'd call, them, I would say they'd call themselves a Christian or a believer, but they kind of use the Bible. They pick what they want just to say. This is what I. This is what's relevant to me. Mm-hmm. This is some. Of this is not relevant to the, today's world. Mm-hmm. But I'll call myself a Christian, or I'll call myself a believer. How? What would you say to them? These people are they just more? How would you? What would you call them? If they're just if they're actually admitting that they're saying, oh, mm-hmm. I'll pick that. That applies to my life. But this is mm-hmm. because I it's, think it
0: was Martin Luther that said the guy that says mm-hmm. that. Uh, that picks and chooses um, the bits that he believes and the bits that he doesn't believe or the bits that he's going to submit to and the bits that he doesn't, is not believing the Bible, he's believing himself. And and there is a sense in which that's true. Um, You have to be impacted. There's bits in the Bible I don't like. There's bits in the Bible I don't understand. Um, uh, Having been a a minister for 30-odd years now, um, that doesn't mean to say that you you absolutely know everything. There may be... um, Uh, questions that you have about aspects of the Bible or passages in the Bible that you still don't understand. Um, If I could fully understand everything about God and everything about the Bible, then it wouldn't be terribly big. So it wouldn't be surprising if there were bits that you think, well, I'm not quite sure how that works out. But that doesn't mean to say that I don't necessarily believe it. I just would not understand that bit at that particular time. So in answer to your question, a person who is going to follow Christ needs to be willing um, to obey what, um, what they read in the Bible and, and Jesus' teachings and so on. The sad thing is that often Christians are focused on certain things. I mean, people, there was a, 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 there was a, a, um, a survey done in the States and they were asked, you know, what, do, what are Christians and what do they believe? And the main thing that people who weren't Christians or weren't faith, um, didn't have faith, the main thing that came across to them was that they were anti-abortion and anti-gay. Uh, As if that defined Christians, whereas when you read the Bible, actually sometimes the excessive lifestyles of some Christians is more uh, worrying than than you know you know. So we 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 all have things that um, perhaps we we leave to the side of the plate because it challenges aspects of our lives. So therefore, it's just as Jesus says far more about abuse of wealth and excessive lifestyle than he did about you know, other, some other things that we think are the big deals, you know. Um, so I think all of us have to bring our lives under the scrutiny of God's word. And for one person, it might be sell your possessions and goods and give to the poor and live in a smaller house and sell that BMW. For someone else, it might be um, a challenge to their moral life or a challenge to some other aspect of their life. I think it would be surprising if... If any Christian did not find something that Jesus taught and something that the Bible taught didn't have an impact on some aspect of their life that was challenging and that was radical that they
1: had to yeah, get sorted out How would you <clears throat> I mean how do you find this uh, one of your questions that you gave us, um I mean how how I mean how how old are you now? 63. 63, you're not quite retired yet. No. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> so, uh, are you the kind of person, do you think, uh, when you 63, do you think you'll just keep going as long as, are you going to, when you, you retire, say 65, or are you going to just keep going until you can, you find the thing that's. I'll it le- go beyond 65, but I won't keep going till some
0: of my colleagues have kept going until about 70 or 80. You know, I think that there comes a point where you, um, mm. you don't. Uh, but, we, I mean, one of the, Jobs I had, where I worked for about four years for the Baptist Union, so I was not in a church at that time. And I used to go around and consult with churches and help them think creatively about mission and so on. Mm-hmm. So it may be that after I retire, I might get involved in uh, I don't know, uh, sometimes you get interim pastorates uh, where a church is between ministers and you go there for three or four months. So I may keep uh, doing stuff like that. Um, I don't think I'll give up preaching and and pastoral work completely, but I certainly won't be doing it, you know, um, uh, five days a week or 40 hours a week or however many hours a week I do just now, likely more than 40 um, for for the rest of my life. So I'll likely come, come to a point, I don't know, I'll maybe go three, four years beyond retirement, but we'll see how that so, goes. There you go.
1: Yeah? Sometimes these, I suppose these days, we, we t- a lot of people who tend to retire they just end up, I don't know, they just they, they crumble there or oh, they absolutely they, but some people just keep working, they try to keep well. I think, I, think bring, s- I, mean. I think some people get their
0: identity out of what they do and I don't think that <laughs> I do. Um <clears throat> although <laughs> ask me in ten years' time when I'm uh, uh you know, I'm, I'm no longer a pastor and, and I could answer that more honestly. But I don't think that I get my identity out of standing up on a Sunday. i would be happy to move on to something something different when um, when the time comes, you
1: know. That's cool. Um <clears throat> With why, I mean, how did you find uh, life in Port? I mean, obviously you're not getting younger. I mean, you've chosen a, a relatively small church in Port Bell. How did you? Yeah. How did you find the challenges? Is it is it quite busy, or would you like it to be busier? Or yeah. how did you find the kind of? Yeah, well, I mean, the church when I came, uh,
0: I think there was about between fifteen and twenty people here, and quite an elderly congregation, and it might well have closed. Um, in in a short space of time, if if some if you know if someone hadn't come to try and help them turn around, and so um, for the first couple of years, I mean, it's it's it, it has been um, hard work. Um. Uh, but I mean, we've seen uh, growth. We've seen uh, we've I mean, last Sunday we had over seventy people in the church. We've uh, so that's from from a fifteen and um, we've got a whole bunch of young people coming uh, Angolan young people who are learning English so one came just before Christmas and he brought his friends and they brought their friends we've now got about four girls Angolan girls um, singing backing to me when I lead worship on a Sunday which is great they lift the worship tremendously um, we had no kids when I came and we're now up to about 15, 16 kids on a on a good Sunday um, uh yeah the church has turned round, but also we've we've tried to um reach out to people in the community so every i don't know every three months or so i walk I, I wear my dog collar and I go around the the, the um the shops and the businesses in in Portobello high street and i say look if there's if there's one thing we could pray for you for, what would it be and I've just been amazed at how people have responded and been open opened up and you know asked for prayer for specific things. And that's given us a good connection with the community. We have a community cafe that we run once a month where we, on a donation basis, and it's packed out, um, and we, we raise money for Amnesty International or Water Aid or um, uh, uh, Women's Aid, various um, various causes that we raise money for. So that's once a month, and the community comes in um, we ran a spirituality survey, so we asked people questions about what they believed um, uh, about spirituality, and we kind of put that on the website. Um, we we think, we did a thing called candle in the wind on the beach at Portobello last summer on four Sundays, so people could stop and light a candle. It was in a wee kind of um, uh, protected from the wind and so on, and so they lit a candle in memory of someone that something that they'd lost or to celebrate something. And again, it was overwhelming, the number of people that stopped. And again, it wasn't pushy religion, they just lit a candle, but some people engaged in conversation and asked for prayer, and so we ended up praying for people on the beach, so that was that was great as well. Um, so there's a number, number of ways in which, in a non-confrontational way, we've tried to reach out to people that um, perhaps are interested in exploring faith, we have a kind of thing called reflective space every few months where we open the church and have installations um it's it's virtually uh, it's just candles everywhere and there's no you know it's pretty dark and people come in from the community and just spend some time in silence we have gregorian te- uh, gregorian chant um on in the background, so that again we, we, we set up spaces where people who maybe aren't Christians can come and explore faith and maybe uh, start asking some questions. And a number of people have started coming along to the church as a result of that, so that's been really interesting as well. Yes, I'm not getting any older. Um, but I knew what I was coming to when I came here and it's been stimulating mean... yes I am getting I'm not getting any younger <laughs> getting <older>. um, <laughs> uh, my mind isn't functioning properly so that, that, that shows <laughs> but um, yes uh, it's been stimulating and exciting to see things turning around and um, we're, we've got hope and faith for the future wow okay
1: um, what do you <clears throat> how would you tell people how would you describe um to The people who maybe who are listening to this maybe who are being involved in church or maybe they've been thinking like what is to what who is God these days because mm-hmm. uh, obviously they might, uh, oh, I suppose of people these days that are thinking all oh, this so much articles coming out and saying oh it's all this rubbish it's all people are in mind whether <coughs> whether you believe it or not it's either you you believe it or you don't mm-hmm. but how would you how would you describe um to people who were, what is, uh, what would you, exp- how would you explain it to be a Christian is to mm. the people in general these days and considering, back in the, maybe twenty years ago, thirty mm. years ago, you would ex- quite easy, but now to what it is, I mean, as you say, you have to earn the right, I suppose, to, to be able to tell people there's so many. I mean, I suppose in our in our senses, you get the. The church, you get the preaching, and the, like you I've maybe noticed myself, and maybe other people have noticed. You get a lot of churches they will stand and they'll say, Listen, if you're to the, the, what they preach in the pulpit, what they actually preach and say, Listen, if you've got problems, you've got things going on in your life, come and talk to us, or uh, we'll help, we're here to help, that kind of thing. But then you get the kind of people that you do actually come to talk about things, but as soon as they open their mouth to say, Listen, I need help, it's like they're almost like a lot the people who are there to help have be you know, a little bit hostile. They they're like they don't understand. They can't It's, it, it's like the it's like they don't know how to handle the, What the problem is, for example, and sometimes that person's because they're being honest and open because you They've heard it from the front and mm-hmm. they've maybe not been as kind of as welcomed as they would like. As it's it's all mm-hmm. talk, but behind the scenes, it's not as mm-hmm. open arms as you mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. So how would you tell these? How, how would you? what would you tell to people like that Say, listen. well I'm here I, I've, I've, I've been honest I've had problems I've, I've been having problems with sexuality for example or been problems with I've been sleeping with women outside that kind of thing or I, I want, I'm having a problem with drink or drugs how would you deal with that to this day because there's a lot of people who have been hurt by the church have walked away from their faith What would you, how would you explain that to people I think that
0: again as I said in terms of a spectrum of Beliefs within the church, and and actually, I think that's a healthy thing because if we all were clones of each other and all believed exactly the same thing, then that's more like a cult where you're forced to believe something without thinking about it. Right. So that's one thing, um, and likewise, any church experience. You you might go to one church and feel welcome. You might feel included. You might feel accepted. You might go to another church where you feel excluded. So I think the challenge for anyone that's wanting to explore faith is um to be open about your questions, to explore um, to find yourself uh, to, to find a church where it's going to help you um, work through the questions that you might have because each every Christian I mean I even at the age of 15 had to work through my understanding of who God was. I had to kind of uh, I discussed it with with the friend at school that uh, talked to me about the Christian faith. It wasn't just suddenly overnight. It was a process. It was a journey. And so, therefore, find a church where people do listen to you. And as you say, it may be that you go to a church and it sounds from the pulpit as if they're all very accepting and they want to help you um, answer your questions. But then, when you get speaking to someone, it might not be the case. You just got to keep um, keep looking until you find a place where you can. uh, there, There is a space there where you can explore your faith. Um, and I think it's Bono that said, when you become a Christian, you don't get all your questions answered, you just get a different set of questions. so I mean when you become a christian um it doesn't mean to say that every single question that you've got is immediately answered. There is still a process of working through things through as you as you look at your um as uh, at your life. Your expectation that she, people would would listen to you would be accepting accepting of you. regardless of what you believe, is a true expectation. So keep going until you do get a faith community where you're listened to, you're accepted, and you can belong even before you believe. So I think it's okay to expect that. Um, The reality is that all of us have been hurt at some point or another by church. But you might have been hurt by you know the the people you hang out with at the gym, the people you go to the pub with on a Friday night. There may have been people that have uh, confronted you or spoken behind your back or criticised you. So that is the reality of human life. I think the reality is that you should expect that people in church should be a bit more like Jesus, but you will sometimes be um, miss. You will sometimes be disappointed. Keep going until you find a place where uh, you find a spiritual home and you can work through your questions. Um, and 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 ultimately, that should be possible at some point um that you can find that in terms of who is God. I believe that he is he is eternal, he is all loving he is all powerful um, he revealed himself supremely in the person of Jesus Christ, his love was expressed in the fact that Jesus came and he died on a cross to pay for our sins. Um, but being a Christian and the kingdom of God and our, our understanding of faith is not just about getting a ticket to heaven, it's about transforming the world as it is. So it's about politics, it's about art, it's about sexuality, it's about the whole of life. And that's the exciting thing. God isn't just locked into a box on a Sunday morning, it's about the whole of life and how we include Him in all that we do. Since He Thought of it up, thought it up in the, in the first place. Um, he should relate to every
1: aspect of life, not just what we might think are the more religious bits. Okay, <clears throat> what do you think of this is a bit of a different slant on the question? What do you think of you've over the years you've got these kind of TV evangelists and things like that, people on telly saying. For me, and stick a couple of quid in the bank, you know what mm. I mean? What, what do you? What's your verdict in these? Because I, I look at them and I go, my goodness, I think there's as mm. false as they come half of mm. them. Mm. And I mean, why, why do you have to, and all these kind of, especially on Facebook these days, the amount of people that chuck these things around and are so sucked in to say, oh, type a man and type this and you know, mm. blah, blah blah blah. And I think, what, what's your verdict in these things? I mean, how they just become almost like. It's in, people are just getting so sucked in by it, almost like this falseness that's going around. Mm. I mean, what's your verdict on that? How do you mm. explain the TV evangelists have got more, they've got a suit that's probably worth the same price as a Ferrari these days they're wearing and they're up front and they're giving all this? And I mean, mm. what do you think of these things? I think that
0: if again, back back to the excessive lifestyle, I think um, some people have got lots of money and we don't know what they'll do with it. So, um, you know, for instance, someone like Bill Gates. Uh, gives huge amounts of money to projects in Africa uh, the woman that started the body shop I don't know whether Bill Gates is or isn't a Christian the woman that started the body shop I don't know where, where she stood but she gave virtually all of her money away when she died she she willed it to you know people in developing countries and so on and her children were happy with that otherwise they would have been given you know a fortune if she hadn't done that but they were willing for that to happen um so you never actually know what you don't always know what people are doing with their money. So that's one thing. To make a judgment on someone is a bit kind of dicey because they may actually be using their money in a in a, an incredibly creative way and may be helping other people. If they are not, and if people are making money out of preaching, um and you do hear of evangelists who make um more money goes to themselves, into their houses, into their jets into their um, Ferraris or their body, uh, their their bodyguards or whatever, then goes to the causes that they say that they're raising money for. Then they've got to answer to that um, to God um, for that.
1: What do you think? What do you think about the recent story that went a little bit viral around Facebook? The guy, the the pastor, who was uh, basically asking his congregation because he didn't need a new private jet. <laughs>
0: Well, yes, I mean... It was just
1: a bit, really? Mm, that I, I, I hadn't heard that,
0: that, that, uh, the, that story. But yes, if people are living and, and, and are making money out of faith, then there's, something, there's a problem there. Right. And actually, there's a theological problem with what people call the prosperity gospel because um, evangelists sometimes will say, give me money. In other words, what they, call, they talk about sowing the seed of money into their... Um, into their ministry and God will bless you. So essentially, they're getting money from people that perhaps are uh, you know, gullible or they believe what they say. So they're giving their hard-earned cash to this guy who's got a huge bank balance um, but they're doing it because they have been told that if they give their money to, go to, to the evangelist then God will bless them with more money so it's that, there's basically a flaw in that and if you look at the lifestyle of Jesus or you look at the lifestyle of someone like St Francis of Assisi or Mother Teresa you'll realise that actually the idea of making big bucks out of faith is not something that is uh, is, is true um, so as I say, you can't make a judgment necessarily um, on someone as, as to whether they're rich or not, because they may be using large amounts of their money to help other people. But if you discover that someone was simply making a fortune out of their preaching, uh, then th- there's a problem there, and I wouldn't agree with that kind of lifestyle. Okay.
1: Um, you're saying, oh, One of your questions you, you give me is the... the... Why you find the church is increasingly powerless in this day and age? I mean, what would you say the difference was? I mean, from how much power did the church have mm. when you first started being a minister to how much mm. the church has now? The, the and obviously the UK was once a strong Christian values, uh, and we had a, a lot. Everything things we did were just normal, but things we seem to do now are so controversial. Somebody could just say, "Oh, this." So sort I of find. X offensive or Y offensive, mm. and you, the cops are at your door, and before you know it, you're getting into trouble for something that is absolutely perfectly sane and perfectly nothing controversial at all. 30 years ago, and like, what's changed? Mm, yeah, I mean, power's maybe the wrong uh, word, but
0: there was a time when the church was uh, uh, listened to and had a voice, and so on. And now the church will be far more on the margins and alongside other um, other groups that have have a say, so there was a time in our in our own nation where we were we would have more rights in terms of being listened to and so on i don't think that 's necessarily a bad thing because we 're simply back to where we were two thousand years ago um when the church was um a vulnerable uh, community on the margins, and they ha- had to earn the right to be heard so um, their uh, by their lifestyle, by their um, uh, caring for the poor, caring for the orphans, um, by their radical lifestyle and and sharing Jesus with people, the church grew at a time um, when they were persecuted when they were on the margins, they grew faster than they ever have in the in the following two thousand years. Uh, In the 4th century, um, Constantine became a Christian. Uh, Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And so therefore, not only um, previously Christians had great difficulty getting jobs and houses and so on, but then after Constantine, you had to be a Christian in order to get a job or a house or whatever and to go on in society. And ever since then, the church had power, but then corruption came. And the church through the ages at times has been undermined by corruption and riches and so on, which is why people like St Francis of Assisi um, and others through the ages have have been raised up to challenge the inappropriate power and inappropriate wealth of the church so as we look at the 21st century the church is back there we've once more got to earn the right to be heard and people will come to church and will follow Jesus because they really believe and are willing to carry a cross rather than because it's the done thing or it's the fashionable thing or it's what everyone else does so although we might be looked upon and saying well we've got less power in inverted commas than we had 20-30 years ago in a sense that might be quite a healthy thing the church has really got to start thinking about how do we live the Jesus life and how can we influence people by our lifestyle and our beliefs in a way that perhaps um, we don't have uh, th- the rights to be heard as we did maybe 20, 30 years ago I actually think that's quite a good thing because it means it separates the um, for want of a better word the men from the boys in terms of faith and the men prophets from the boy prophets or whatever, I don't know Um, either way we've got to to earn the right to be heard uh, in a way that perhaps we didn't 20 or 30 years ago. Of course, the West is different. I mean, you go to some of the other parts of the world where people are persecuted for their faith, that's exactly exactly where they're living. You look at China, they reckon that in 19, 20 years' time, China will be the strongest Christian country or nation um, in the world. Um, The church is growing at a phenomenal rate but it it grew phenomenally during uh, the 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 persecution, and it's still persecuted to some extent um, in China, but it's growing at a phenomenal rate, likewise India um, again, the church is persecuted, churches are burnt down, people are thrown into prison, but the church is growing at a phenomenal rate. so it may well be that if we had to face that, maybe the church would start growing again
1: would well, you <clears throat> What do you think of all the obviously this day and age that uh, you've got now? <clears throat> excuse me, the because, because it's so uncool, if you want to call it that, that ever it started saying you couldn't wear okay, as a Christian, you couldn't you couldn't wear like set the simple thing you couldn't wear a cross maybe if you're at school or you're a teacher, or you couldn't wear an X if you are worked in a hospital, or you couldn't do this, you couldn't do all the things that you can't you could do normally. 30 years ago you can't do now but it's okay for something like a Muslim or the ex they can wear their their burqa that kind of thing they can cover their head all these so do you think maybe in this country because we're becoming so would you say we're becoming but soft just to say that we've not our values are not as strong as they used to be that um, the Muslims are slowly or should I say the, that culture is creeping into the UK that we may end up becoming a um um taken over by a Muslim sort of Muslim sort of sector, if you
0: know. Uh, answer to that, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the danger is that we believe everything that happens in the media or at least the media mm. will present us with extremes which are not necessarily representative of what's actually going on. Um just to take one example, the the use the the, the sending of Christmas cards and this was a two or three years ago. I think there's been a, a kind of reaction to this, but Two or three years ago, there was a lot being said about whether you should, whether it was appropriate or whether it was offensive to send Christmas cards and celebrate Christmas, or whether you should um, say "Happy Holidays" instead of "Happy Christmas" and so on. And the Muslim Council of Great Britain, actually, um, uh, I'm not sure how they expressed this, whether it was on the internet or or in the news. I can't remember, but they said uh, we think this is taking things too too far. We um, support the rights of our Christian. Um, uh, friends to celebrate Christmas and actually they said we want to celebrate it too because Christ is someone that we respect within Islam and so therefore we think it's crazy for people to be limited as to whether they can celebrate Christmas and whether they can send Christmas cards or not so I think that actually at grassroots level there is a far, far more common goal um, than we, we might think now, um, I, I, in, in answer to your question are we becoming more of a Muslim country uh, in answer to that I don't know um, uh, who you know, we, we will see in, in years to come um, in terms of the ability to, to wear a cross I think there needs to be equality so if, if one religion is able to express its, its faith by wearing something then we should be allowed to wear a cross because I think most people don't find it um, uh, offensive I think if someone were to say look you know, within a secular context, I would like to pray for you, you know, maybe they're they're a carer or maybe they're in a hospital and they say, uh, I want to pray for you and the person doesn't want that, then I think that's taking it too far and then we've got to recognise that we live in a society um, which, you know, for some people that might be offensive, so we need to respect that, we need to respect people's views. Um, uh, But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that we need to, there needs to be an equality in terms of how we, we treat one faith group, and, and and how we treat another faith group, and this should be the ability to wear a, a simple cross or whatever. If we push it too far, then I think likely, um, that's inappropriate. Would
1: you, <clears throat> would you say, in this day and age, that uh, in this day and age, that you're we're living in a modern day Sodom, Sodom, and Gomorrah. Um. And what we, what do you mean by that? Well, would you say that basically we're almost like living the things that are going on these days what what happened kind of then is maybe happening again now but on a modern scale uh, in some way or form well
0: I, I, I find that kind of question difficult to answer in that there, there have, have always been I mean I, in the days of the New Testament Paul um, wrote to a particular church in Corinth and, and in the middle of the church there was incest going on Um, There was division, there was sexual immorality. Um, They lived in a culture where that was going on at the time. That's where the church was planted. Now, um, it likely has varied through the ages. Um, Whether it's any worse today than it has been in the past, um, uh, past, I don't know. I think it varies from time to time. The time when the Salvation Army was started... Um, You had kids going into um, pubs with jugs to get gin. They had little steps so that it could stand on them to to reach up to the bar to get um, to get gin to take back f- to their, their parents who were lying um, you know, in a drunken state at home. <laughs> um, uh, cirrhosis of the liver, uh, you know, um, suffered by some of the young kids of the day. That's why the Salvation Army started, because they saw that their culture had become corrupt. Um, uh, y- you could look at our own culture today and say there is a certain amount of uh, corruption. But I, you know, I, I'm just as worried about the bankers um, I'm just as worried about the politicians um, who are living a, a duplicitous lifestyle and and, and and lying about their expenses, or the celebrities that use their celebrity power to um, to 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 uh, affect vulnerable kids. I'm just as worried about that as as some of the other things that we see going on in our culture and society. But I think that there are lots of things to be. Um, thankful for and to praise God for as well as the things that worry us and I think you've just got to keep on living your life um, and and not become too depressed about it. Um, there's been quotations from people uh, that I've read in the past, I think Socrates and others that bemoan the fact that young people today are, are corrupt and never been society has never been so bad as it is today. And when you read it out of context, you think, oh, that must be twentieth century, that must be twenty first century. Actually, it was way back many hundreds of years ago. People have always looked at our culture and said, oh, isn't it terrible? I think you just got to get on living with living life and believing. Um, that people are made in God's image, they are image bearers, whatever they do, and keep believing that it's possible for people to change
1: okay. <clears throat> I think we're basically time is up, We've uh, obviously I'd like to ask him a few more questions but obviously time is against us, we now have to wrap this interview up, I want to say thank you to Andy uh, for his uh time on the Hatrick and Ramsay Unleashed show, um, if you have any feedback uh, on some of the stuff that's being talked about, uh, email us at Hatrick at gmail or comment us comment on the Facebook group, uh, which is Hatrick and Ramsay Unleashed. Uh, you'll find us on Facebook. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, that little bit of insight to church, um, in Scotland, and what your general some general thoughts, um. About what's going on these days, how how do you find church yourself? You want to uh, talk about it? You want to uh, give us some feedback? That'd be great. But listen, thanks thanks again, Andy, for your time. Thank you for being part of the show. Right, okay. And hope, I hope that you enjoyed that. How did you find that? I certainly did. Enjoy it. Yeah. That's good. Well, listen. Thanks again, people. and Until next time, I'll speak to you soon. Bye bye now.